Welcome to Girl Stuff, a podcast series focusing on female bodies, issues, sexuality, and social perception of women. Or in other words, a girl-to-girl talk about anything female. Let's talk about girl stuff. In today's episode, I'm talking to Kate, who's a UX designer based here in Copenhagen. I invited Kate because I wanted to talk about something that I've been noticing from my personal experiences, but also something that I've been noticing in media quite recently, um, a debate that has come out. And most importantly, I actually got influenced by an article published in The Guardian, which is based on a book called Invisible Woman, Exposing Data Bias in a World Designed for Men written by Carolina Criado Perez. And it talks about how certain, how in many areas of the design or architecture, product design, and kind of, uh, you know, design that influences our everyday lives, women seem to be not taking into consideration or the female body is not taking into consideration where some things are being designed. And that includes everything from the toilet layout, still in cases where toilets are divided into male and female toilet, or um, sizes of construction building equipment. So anything that involves around you know, a specific job that used to be a male dominated previously, up to examples such as safety, safety in cars. So how, let's say, the airbag structure or the seat structure or even the actual testing is implemented um, and how that affects, or it doesn't in this case, it doesn't uh, consider the female body structure. Um, So yeah, Kate's here with me today and um, would like to get into that topic. In today's episode, I wanted to talk about a very interesting article I read recently in The Guardian, which is called... The Deadly Truth About a World Built for Men, From Stab Vest to Car Crashes. And it's based on a book called uh, Invisible Women Exposing Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. And I just found it very, you know, very interesting. And I wanted to kind of dive maybe slightly deeper into, into the topic. It's all about how there's different or different designs in our everyday lives are actually based on the male body and not necessarily accommodating for the female body. So in order to do that, I invited my friend Kate over here, uh, who's a UX designer, to just, you know, pick and choose and see if she has any more insights and um, if there's any more food for thought, you know, any more facts or examples that can showcase this very interesting topic. Yeah, so I find this really fascinating, mostly because um, I'm now a UX designer, but I actually studied industrial design originally. Yeah. And uh, the whole point of my course was to create products that are feasible and innovative, but that everybody can use. And there was a main focus on uh, human-centered design. So really doing as much research as possible, looking into the ergonomics. Uh, And I was actually quite shocked about how much of this products are not actually not considering women. I I think that it's something that I want to dive into a lot deeper in general. And it's also now I'm looking at more from a user experience designer 
kind of perspective mm -hmm. that there's a lot of things that have been designed more for the way that men think as well so there's a very big difference between how um the psychological differences between men and women and then how they um you can appeal to them in like advertising graphic design um how they might use a product um sorry an app for example or um and things like that and i hadn't really thought so much about that so much because in general all of the areas of design that i've been looking at have been mostly um looking at other areas of society or trying to consider for example the elderly or users who may be disabled uh and then you kind of completely also think about this gender gap um because the majority of the data is coming from male demographics yeah totally i mean totally i, I actually found it very interesting because to be honest even when i was picking up the topics for for the podcast it's only i literally saw that article maybe a month ago or something i was almost shocked i mean the book is a little bit you know older but still I've, i was almost shocked that only now we've actually started to look at design from this mm -hmm. perspective from the gender perspective as you said because usually it's been kind of unified even in the ux at least you know my little experience in, mm -hmm. within the ux world i never realized that there could actually be differences and i feel like it's it's this almost new concept riding the wave of you know women kind of getting more and more power the whole me too movement whatever it's just um it seems like finally this topics these topics have actually come to attention and especially after reading the article it was just there's so many examples and maybe we'll dive mm -hmm. into some of them or you'll probably also have some of your own examples but um it kind of opened my eyes to certain things and it made them very clear like for example one the first thing uh, that the author talks about is how the office temperature for example that's that's actually been measured based on the male metabolism which is different than the female metabolism so the average office temperature is too low for the females you usually see and i've seen it so many times in a lot of offices you'll see men wearing shorts and like you know bare feet or whatever t-shirts and then you see women in like sweaters and kind of covered up yeah or covered in blankets i have friends yeah. who also they work in the us and they were saying that they come to work and they have their own blanket because yeah. it's just too cold and they even asked when they visited our office in copenhagen like what's the temperature like <laughs> do i need yeah, to bring yeah, more yeah, clothes yeah, yeah. in the summer and it's just insane it is it yeah. is yeah so that was one of the things and um maybe you want to talk more about some of the ones that you found yeah um so again as, as you said it's really fascinating that because i also was had this perspective that yeah there are these standards that have been in place and that's what we're we're kind of using them as the foundation for all our design work and yet then if they're based solely on like, male proportions or um it's not considering both genders or the major differences then we're kind of not designing for such a major part of society one of the most interesting ones and i think it's kind of becoming more relevant is the the fact that Um, women are more in danger in cars because mm -hmm. they've been for many years using only male crash test dummies. Yeah. Um, I actually noticed when I went to Oslo recently, they had a big campaign with Volvo. So Volvo is one of the, or is known as being one of the safest kind of car producers in Europe. And uh, on the back of this book and the, the publicity mm -hmm. that it's got, they actually started this campaign called EVA, which is the equal vehicles for all initiative oh that's cool um, and yeah. the idea is that they they have so much research so they've actually one of the first car manufacturers to be considering uh, female data in all of their mm -hmm. their crash tests and their design so as a i think it's quoted in that article it is, um, yeah. that as a, a woman 
the standard seating that's being designed means that women are 47% more likely to get injured and 17% more likely to die. Because, mm-hmm. um, and that's mostly because the way that their testing is looking at okay, the position you're in the car. Mm-hmm. So if you're hitting, being hit from the side and you have that impact, where are you being protected if you're on certain levels of mm-hmm. the car? And it's being tested on like a certain percentile in terms of ergonomics, and that will mostly be men. Yeah. So for women, they tend to sit further forward and much lower down than men do. And so they're actually more vulnerable to, for example, impacts from the side. And they are more likely to get whiplash, for example. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I remember reading that mm-hmm. too in the article that, for example, the neck muscles in the mm-hmm. female body are slightly different built and usually not as strong as yeah. the male muscles. And exactly getting a whiplash is one of the huge, huge yeah. dangers also the way the car is designed. Yeah, so they're basically kind of, they're doing a lot of tests and it's also related on, they're looking at the way that males responded with their the whole autonomy that, anatomy sorry so that's that's right so basically the um most of the car manufacturers when they were using male crush test dummies that they've all been built based on certain data and that will also be based on like your muscle mass weight the strength maybe that you have like this is not taking into account when you have a woman who's doesn't have so much muscle mass is much lighter um and has a completely different frame one of the great things that uh, volvo have been doing was that they've they're actually sharing all of this data. So they have crash data from real-life incidents going all the way back from 19 to 1970. And then they're using this data to improve the way they're designing cars and then providing for everyone else. Of course, it's a big marketing thing because then they're saying like, oh, look, we're, we're much safer. But they've got a seat, for example, that reduces um, whiplash by 50%. And that means there's actually also no difference between men and women. So that's 50% regardless of what gender you are. Yeah which is pretty, really nice. And the side impact as well is quite important. So they, uh, because you, if you are sitting lower and more forward in the car and you get hit from the side, mm-hmm. then you, they need to make sure that that is rigid enough um, and that the, the passenger in the car isn't going to be um, damaged as well. And uh, they've like completely redesigned that to make sure that women don't get um, as hurt. They were also the first company to create a crash test army that was pregnant as well to, stim- yeah, to simulate mm-hmm. um, uh, a pregnant woman because that's obviously the, one of the most vulnerable people to be in a car mm. and they've now created this airbag that goes all the way around oh, um, wow. and okay. can actually protect uh, like side yeah. as well which I thought was pretty cool that's pretty cool um, and yeah that's and since 1995 they've tested with female dummies yeah that's so, so exciting to hear that because especially you know after reading the article uh we can dive in into some of the other examples mm-hmm. just to kind of you know voice them out but i had a feeling of oh my gosh like this has been going on for years and it seems like no one almost noticed that's mm-hmm. why you know also the book is called Inves- invisible women like there's all these little examples that we kind of just don't think about it's very good to hear that companies like volvo of course as you said it's a huge marketing strategy for them too yet on the other hand it's a very positive thing that they're doing and i just wish uh yeah the trend is actually gonna keep growing more and more with that Mm -hmm. yeah i thought it's also um one of the things it was focused a lot the article in terms of like safety so the cars and then Mm -hmm. also um in relation to designing um, spaces. So I think that's something that's also really fascinating. Everyone always thinks, okay, design is like a product or um, mm-hmm. now it's kind of apps and everything as well, but designing the physical space and um, how can you make people feel safer 
um, for example, when they're getting home on their bus at four o'clock in the morning in London, mm-hmm. and how can you design specifically for that set of group of people, and then actually overall improve the rest of the journey for everybody, basically. Mm-hmm. So one of the things was focusing on designing buses, bus routes, and and uh, bus stops, so that they are much more well lit, um, so people feel safer, and they're mm-hmm. this. The idea that you basically reduce any sexual assaults or mm-hmm. potential rape. And I think there was one case in Sweden which was looking at like how they just improved where they... Yeah, it's a really random thing, but in they have a, a lot of injuries in the wintertime because of people falling on the ice. Oh, yeah. And okay. they basically looked at like bike paths and how they could then redesign the route mm-hmm. and also That's care cool. for them in Karlsruhe in Sweden and it basically ended up with fewer injuries overall so it benefited not only the women I think it was like 60% were the women who were then falling previously and then because they had actually seen this was a problem and they went out and fixed it then they ended up having fewer injuries overall and that was benefiting also the elderly in the area anybody using those parts yeah. so I think it's kind of trying to highlight that by improving things for one gender that's maybe more vulnerable, then you're also yeah. benefiting other people. And for the case of the uh, air conditioning, mm-hmm. it made, I think, a hun- it had an increase of 150% in productivity when they actually changed the algorithm so that mm. it was better for women. Then people were more productive and then they oh, wow. earn more like G- GDP. Yeah, in terms yeah, of, like, yeah, totally. If every office in the US then adapted that, then how much more work we could yeah. do, for example. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. And it's a great approach. Um, when we're talking about spaces, one of the examples, again, that was mentioned in the article that I found quite fascinating, because it's, especially being a woman, like we see it, we encounter that issue very often. And that was about the toilets. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much in Denmark, because I feel like in Denmark, actually, there's many places that the toilets are unisex. Yeah. However, you know, in the more conventional, well, let's say, conventional countries, mm-hmm. they're still male and female separate. And I found a yeah, very fascinating when you look at the architectural plans that the toilet space or the space purposed for the male toilets mm-hmm. and the female toilets is the exact same amount of square meters. Yeah. But what they realized in a male toilet, you can actually in that space, you can fit way more urinals than you can like proper toilets mm-hmm. and cubicles in the female one. That's one of the reasons why the lines to the female toilets are always huge. And there's always you know a lot of women waiting up for the toilet just because there's actually based on that space just less toilets and additionally what the article mentioned as well was that especially if a woman's pregnant uh, she might require more more toilet trips so Mm -hmm. that kind of adds up even more so it should almost be thought not only hey maybe we should rethink the use of the space in that particular um, in that particular setting but also the fact that there might be more women anyway needing to go to the mm-hmm. toilet than men in general I never really thought about that maybe it's also because you know I didn't study architecture or spatial design or anything like this but I always assumed and I think a lot of people might assume that without having this knowledge you know this like particular design knowledge that oh yeah women just pee more often or or they take longer oh which, they take longer which maybe which, they do oh yeah, yeah that's the they thing do take so up. women can actually yeah of course like it can take longer let's say if there's you no know, periods or women might be accompanied by children yeah. so that's like another uh you know another fact to it it just ends up almost i don't want to say diminishing but i almost you know it's almost become especially like if you're in a club and you see there's a huge line for the female toilet there's a 
almost no line for the male yeah. toilet. And I feel like there might be some kind of a negative connotation associated with it. Like people thinking, why don't they hurry up or yeah. whatever, you know, there's some kind of negative feeling associated with this line for the bathroom. And actually knowing that this fact, the, the floor spacing, the arrangement of that particular mm -hmm. space already by default creates that probably there's going to be more time needed per, you know, for women and actually less um, cubicles to use. That would already probably open up the eyes or the minds to some people that might be thinking, why can't they just be faster? Or yeah. what are they doing there? Makeup or whatever. But I think it's really interesting because yeah. I find it like, okay, that that's purely a design requirement okay you yeah. have this data women take 2.3 times yeah. longer because they have to they may have children they're with they might have um in general they take a little bit longer mm. but the capacity is not enough in terms of like the number of stalls compared to what's in a, in a mm -hmm. men's space so like that's it's not the same data basically so you need to design completely differently so i find it crazy that mm -hmm. no one has really it's not become a standard for female toilets so then i always yeah. have like this many times more cubicles than the males yeah for example yeah. or to just purely be based on like capacity mm -hmm. and efficiency kind of okay mm -hmm. if we have this much space and these amount of like that we can cater for in a men's toilet then the women's one should be the same does that mean that we have i don't know three meters square meters more or however then yeah, yeah i find that a bit yeah insane yeah <laughs> it, it's is, not it is it is but you know it's it's yeah, it's just very fascinating how, again, these things still happen. Hopefully, like, sooner in the future, they will be changing. For what example, what you said with Volvo or even Sweden. By the way, go Sweden. Yes. Like all these <laughs> Swedish examples. I mean, they have been, I feel like, leading in terms of, like, gender equality and all these other yeah. issues. But um, pretty fascinating. Do you have another example you'd like to talk about? Otherwise, we can also jump to some of the ones here. I have one kind of relating to... Yeah. Um, something that's not physical design. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you also have some examples as well, but the fact that, for example, there was a Carnegie Mellon study that was looking at men are more likely going to be shown Google ads for like higher paying jobs oh, than okay. women. Yeah. So the idea that like you already have things online that are targeting mm -hmm. men in more than women for the same role, which is meant to be something that actually should be have no gender bias and that that's actually kind of this algorithm is kind of then mm. perpetuating this problem that we don't have this balance between sexes or there's no it's not equal opportunity because it might be yeah. that like you end up of course it, it's always based on if you're actually suitable for the job and it doesn't should matter whether you're a male or female but mm -hmm. you should be able to apply for that so yeah. Having that disparity, I think, is, is quite interesting. That's quite interesting, yeah, um, definitely. The two examples I remember that were mentioned in the article, is about, especially regarding technology, one thing was that Apple at some point forgot to actually install or incorporate the period tracker in their mm -hmm. health tracker, which is, again, like I guess they wanted to create the you know health app mm -hmm. kind of suitable for everyone, but then again, like period is such a big part of female health and physicality and you know biology and it's, it's just fascinating how you know this technology just forgot to incorporate that little detail mm -hmm. and then another one was apparently so for example siri could help you if you had a heart attack mm -hmm. but if you told you've been raped it didn't know what to say oh my God. which it could be on one hand if you think of it you know like the america like that's an american design and then the u.s this tends to be a lot of sexual problems 
tend to be a taboo still, mm-hmm. especially in terms of, you know, jobs or media or technology. But it could have been the case, but still it's pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting, the tech world as well, how it reacts to these things. It's also, I still think it's something that's actually been debated so so much the last few years, but the fact that um, Siri, Cortana, um, Alexa, Alexa, they're all female. They're all female and they yeah. all have female voices and... Um, yeah, I think yeah, you had a note that um, it's actually they're mostly being trained to recognize male voices. Oh patterns. yeah, that too. So yeah. it's just yeah. this, again perpetuating this idea that you have this yeah. female there as in service, um, exactly. recognizing the male voice and yeah. uh, actually not kind of catering for yeah, um, yeah, any the female needs or yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely. Uh, I think most of the data here was actually put from the UK mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of it was how certain things just don't fit for example the female hand or mm-hmm. um, so for example phones like yeah. mobile phones you know they've become bigger and bigger and a lot of them don't actually fit the female hand just because yeah. our hands are tend to be slightly smaller than the male, male's hands there was another example with um, a brick for example yeah. a bag of cement I also talk had about that, that one yeah. yeah so I had a lot of to do with power tools and that oh was yeah the power tools, tools as well yeah and the brick like a statistically or kind of traditionally the brick is the perfect size for a male hand to use and uh, they're not uh, yeah you now you have a lot of female um construction workers Mm -hmm. or who maybe want to be able to get into that field and um then you're actually endangering a lot of people's health because if something's not ergonomic then they're going to get rsi so they're going to basically damage their their muscles um mm-hmm. if they're not able to do their job every day without yeah. putting stress on themselves so one of the most interesting things is um power tools and if you search for power tools on for women on google you end up with like some like kind of kinky woman holding a oh really um, yeah a um a drill or something or you look at like ones that are kind of branded pink yeah. Um, but uh, if you think about that, it's not just the ergonomics of the tool, it's the weight as well. Yeah. So uh, the majority of these things are, are kind of designed for strong men who are able to like work every day, all day, every day in, on a construction site. And women are also strong, but they have a completely mm-hmm. different kind of tolerance for that. So mm-hmm. I thought that was quite interesting that there's, there are so many factors to consider of if somebody is using this every day and... Like, how do you then cater for either the most vulnerable part of the the kind of um, demographic, well, not demographic, but set of users, and then ensure that it's possible for everybody to use? Yeah. And an Apple Watch was also one because the first smartwatches, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever saw the Pebble, the first Pebble watch. No, I don't think I have. That was actually. one that was um, actually designed and released on Kickstarter. Really, really beautiful product, really great, but the design was totally for men so it was very very big yeah chunky like the strap would actually like pinch um your skin if you try and get it too too tight and the apps as well were just again also mostly designed by men for men there wasn't really anything mm-hmm. as built. so the then you got onto the apple watch and that actually was kind of is much more unisex i think in terms of the size and also the weight and yeah um the overall usability yeah so it's there's some things that are kind of starting to to be more universal i think mm-hmm. but uh yeah that but there's still yeah one kind of recent example yeah i think coming back to the construction industry and tools and bricks and all that one thing what i also found 
uh, I don't know, scary actually, is also the safety, mm-hmm. the safety concern that, for example, the harnesses, the eye masks, body vests, uh, all the safety gear or safety wear, I would mm-hmm. say, within the construction industry, a lot of the times just doesn't fit the female body. And what the companies would start doing, they would just order smaller sizes, mm-hmm. which again, some of it won't actually fit because... The thing with safety equipment is that is designed specifically for a body. It has to specifically fit it because mm-hmm. otherwise you might be exposed to chemicals. You might right. be exposed to other harming substances or mm-hmm. things falling in your head and other things during construction. And they just the employers would end up just ordering smaller sizes because they would they would assume the female body is just smaller, which is yeah. not. It has a totally different you know shape, proportion, yeah. everything. And which I actually didn't mention here, but recently, I don't know if you've heard about it, NASA actually cancelled, I think it was March, yeah, in March around then, it yeah. cancelled a space mission, like female Yeah, it was runs. meant to be the, the yeah. first spacewalk with two women. Yeah, exactly. Um, ever on the space yeah. station. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't have a suit, This or like the suit didn't, the space suit didn't fit women so they basically cancelled it yeah. instead of just making another suit you know well, the, I think or, the thing was that they had two medium suits and one small one or, or they were the only one that was ready because one had been used on a spacewalk oh, the day okay. before or the, the week before and um, it hadn't been set up so they only had like one that was too big for this woman and then the one that the other woman had already used so yeah. it was just not set up they hadn't prepared it Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think they, they didn't have all of the the equipment to do it or yeah but just this idea that you stop this kind of really historic iconic moment yeah and and nothing that also these women are up there to do purely because they haven't been provided with the correct gear for them that will make them feel safe when they're yeah standing on the outside of the space station yeah yeah such a huge organization like nasa you'd assume they're prepared for these kind of things but just Mm -hmm. assuming that they weren't which yes maybe it's a new thing that female space mission is happening but still the fact that it wasn't thought to mm-hmm. have it in stock or yeah. you know, prepared in advance it is a little sad to hear yeah. but yeah exactly this iconic moment was basically cancelled another thing i think it was in the police that's also something that i read apparently there was uh, a case where a woman police worker admitted she actually had to get a breast reduction surgery because the vests the protection body mm-hmm. vests they just wouldn't fit. They're not accommodating the breasts of a mm-hmm. woman or doesn't fit the hips. Again, totally different built. Mm-hmm. And she actually admitted she ended up getting a breast reduction surgery. Or there's other cases mm-hmm. where women had to get physiotherapy just because it wouldn't fit yeah. their body. And even though it's their job and, you know, they kind of have to follow it. And it's just horrifying how the equipment, same as with the power tools or bricks or whatever, just does not fit that everyday job that you're doing and also with police it's like a job that you're doing to help society it's yeah. it's like this very giving job and it's it's sad that it doesn't give it back to you yeah again that it's also making people more vulnerable and yeah kind of putting their their safety at risk because they have the equipment is just not designed for them mm. so I, I think that's really tragic that it hasn't been considered mm. And I also wonder if there's like also within the army, there must be a lot more issues mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. um, a lot of their equipment. I imagine doesn't Probably. hasn't been specifically designed for women. Probably as well. So. Yeah, yeah. It's just funny how you know some of these examples that there's thinking, oh, we just you know use a smaller size, mm-hmm. and that'll fit because it totally forgets about so many just the proportions, just the muscle yeah. structure, all the other bodies 
structured physique that mm. is just totally different compared to uh, compared to a male one. Yeah. And um, yeah, I find this also something like personally things I feel, but I find no, it really frustrating yeah, yeah, yeah. when uh, I was looking for a new sleeping bag. Yeah. And again, this is kind of similar to the air conditioning thing, but women, you you running at actually a slightly different temperature um, than men, I think, and. Mm-hmm you um particularly like your resting temperature you need to to be kept a lot warmer than the men mm-hmm. therefore a men's sleeping bag or a normal sleeping bag which has been designed primarily for men mm-hmm. will not be warm enough for you for example if it says like it's going down to zero degrees mm-hmm. comfort rating the comfort rating is completely different for a man or a male or, or, or woman. Yeah. so you then need to buy a much more expensive sleeping bag, or you need to buy one that's specifically designed and made for women. Wow. Um, which then is much more expensive, and I find that really frustrating. I'm like, what? This is just really... I wow. just want a sleeping bag. Um, yeah. It's going to mean I don't freeze when I'm on the mountain. Yeah, yeah, again, another example. But that's also something I've always noticed, like, you know, even personally, I'm always wearing, like, a bunch of layers when I go to sleep, and then my ex-boyfriends that would just be like in yeah they want the window open window open (laughs) and just like in their boxers and i'm like how (laughs) i'm freezing yeah you know do you have any other things that you wanted to talk about Um, i have one relating to yeah um, again more to do with it's kind of relating to like graphic design advertising Mm -hmm. but the fact that um people are now more aware of that there are four major differences between um, male, male and female brains. Mm-hmm. So how you're then designing an advertisement or branding something or even designing a product and the way that people are then, for example, maybe using that onboarding and things like that mm-hmm. or the way that you're adapting the structure. And so the, the four main areas are processing the chemistry, the structure and the activity. So women tend to be using their left side of their brain more which means they're more focused on details. Mm-hmm. They're, they're also most focused on kind of memories and storytelling and setting goals. They tend to be much better at communicating and they're more intuitive, whereas men depend a lot more on their senses. So if you're having an advertisement, then it needs to be much more visual and mm-hmm. how you're designing then the way that the advert or anything kind of graphically, you then need to be much more visual. You need to focus more on like ambition and because they tend to like look more for the outcome of something mm-hmm. so um, rather than like the progress so they tend to like want to have payoff as soon as possible um, and they're a bit more logical and they tend to rationalize things so they're trying to kind of like already predict okay what's the outcome going to be yeah. so if you're designing yeah for example a, a car advert or whatever then you're basically going to make it as visual as possible you're going to be showing them like getting that Land Rover up the top of that mountain or something mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. whereas women are much more they're more interested in that emotional connection so it's not just about that how am I going to feel at the end of it it's more about like the details of reasoning the storytelling and also quite interesting a lot to do with like longevity and sharing so mm-hmm. the how is this going to make me feel with other people again I think this is something you've talked about in the other podcasts relating to like women tend to talk more yeah. and they want to discuss with friends so, like how is this object or thing going to make me feel amongst other people like this kind okay. of social kind of aspect of that so i don't know land rover example with friends i'm not sure like yeah i'm not designing yeah. a land rover but it's just the idea that you then have to consider these two different ways that genders totally. approach even like psychologically yeah a product or a brand a brand or, basically yeah. and how you then can either design specifically for them or you can try and intermingle those things to appeal to both genders yeah so i thought that was kind of i think that's um, so interesting because again i mean a lot of 
you know, advertising literature, like actual research literature on advertising psychology and all that. I feel like in general, it's quite a new research topic, like the whole media psychology and all that. If you mm-hmm. look at the body of research that's been done, you know, in general, in terms of psychology, media psychology is quite like a new recent one. And especially the gender focus, I feel like it's something that's been completely neglected, as we've mentioned before, for a long time. And it's it's very interesting to, to see um, and to hear how that can actually impact even the advertising of a product, especially that you'll have a different target group. It's almost something that I'm sure mm-hmm. people might not necessarily think about. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I just have one main thing because I was like, particularly kind of going back to that idea, the fact that you have these two different ways of designing for either gender and should you then design for um, purely for women, for example, and then that will also maybe mean that it can still be used by, mm-hmm. by men or should you be designing more universally or for the most um, yeah, vulnerable part of that? So one of my favourite brands, I suppose, in terms of like universal design mm-hmm. is OXO. I don't know if you've heard of them. They basically are, like, they design a lot of kitchen tools. And mm-hmm. uh, they were originally designed for people with arthritis. Mm-hmm. So they're designing for the extreme user. That's like their idea, that they're, they're looking at people who have very limited range of movement, who need to have a very, like, their grip is, is very different. And they're actually incredibly successful with everybody because they've been designed for this really vulnerable part of the, the market or, or and then it means that it's comfortable for all users so I was kind of just more thinking it was more like a thought at the end of should we basically be designing for more vulnerable people that then means or taking into account that for, for example women may be vulnerable in this case mm-hmm. cars for example should we then we should just be taking that into account for everything and making sure that what we're designing is adaptable for men and women or is then safe for them regardless of whether they're a six foot two massive bloke or a, yeah a petite uh, woman with a baby uh, yeah that was more no uh, I think um, I think I mean I kind of wanted to you know also lead towards you know well, what do we see in the future and like how we would want things to happen I mean of course we're probably there's never going to be a perfect solution that will fit everyone because you always have issues like exactly elderly mm-hmm. or people that are very tall like mm-hmm. there's certain things that still you know even me personally being quite a taller you know on the taller spectrum society there's certain things that just don't fit me just because of the height mm-hmm. so there's definitely you know like a bigger issue and in the end we all have different bodies but i mm-hmm. feel like the fact that you know the are two biological sexes mm-hmm. and uh, being able to take that into account it would be a great way to kind of you know mm-hmm. deal with things because as you said it's not only about the safety of men it's also about the safety of women and especially mm-hmm. pregnant women which is you know that's kind of how our species is moving forward yeah. so i think it's very important to realize that also because for example construction mm-hmm. let's say if we talk about the construction industry if you think about it it used to be very much male focused yeah. mm-hmm. so it kind of from a historical perspective it does make sense that a lot yeah. of things were designed for men because mm-hmm. in the 50s maybe you did not have women carrying bricks you mm-hmm. know so it is definitely these recent change is recent you know the yeah. very much big and humankind spectrum that been happening mm-hmm. and it would be nice if the design industry would kind of follow with it yeah because um especially when it comes to like 
professional um, you know occupations and, mm-hmm. and jobs uh, mm-hmm. like physical jobs like for example construction police however the thing with toilets it's you know it's something that will always be an issue will yeah. always be a need and as you said uh, the needs don't change like women will have periods they mm-hmm. will get pregnant so it's definitely something that just has to be I don't know um, just taken as a default yeah. as well to to a very basic design thinking that's done initially for spaces and places and urban planning and things like that so there needs to be a whole new set of standards standards, or at least there need to be like these checkpoints in design Mm. process okay like are we considering these like sectors of society yeah um so not only just for example like designing for sustainability or Mm -hmm. for disability disabilities um, yeah then how can you also actually be being aware that you're actually designing for gender equality, for example. Yeah. Um, so not just for women or for men, but how can you design for gender equality? For both, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, and I think that's that's also something that I find really fascinating is you're saying, like, okay, we have this specific sector where we have a complete change in the which gender is more dominant, but then we also have, like, the medical sector where it mm-hmm. should be catering for everybody. Yeah. And that's something that all the way through to like research again like not only is like gender bias but you have a very big ethnical bias so oh yeah um the fact that majority of like studies are done on male white people who are then designing drugs in a way or Mm -hmm. are the the kind of guinea pigs for the majority of our our industry so there was one thing that i found that was also i thought Mm -hmm. a bit shocking there's a whole there's a new um artificial heart implant that has been Mm -hmm. created and I think it's like it's fully artificial and it's meant to obviously save people's lives and, and be being used instead of actually having to get a, a replacement valve from a, a real heart, for example. But it's only suitable for 86% of men and mm. 20% of women. So it's something that is never going to be used for women yeah. in, in, the, in the space. So the idea that there's if I had a, a problem in my heart that I might be sitting in hospital and not be able to get treatment purely because of my gender mm-hmm. is also something. Or, like, the, tri- the treatment might be wrong or mm-hmm. differ so drastically mm-hmm. and have not been kind of considered for my sex. It's so like, shocking. That's so scary. But, yeah. Again, the kind of, like, that gap in, you know, the research and, like, the health effects and stuff was that there's been a lot of research done in industries where... Uh, there's a lot of work with chemicals and so again like construction and um, toxins industry uh, in, industrial you know industrial mm. work but what's never been researched is nail salons cleaning at home mm. cleaning jobs mostly again occupied by women mm-hmm. but still industries where there's so many chemicals Mm -hmm. around touching your skin you know you breathe them in your eyes like there's so many things that can be affected Mm -hmm. but again it's just because it's been kind of i don't want to say put under the carpet but it's been almost regarded as oh it's just a nail salon or like oh it's just like house cleaning or Mm -hmm. whatever again mostly occupied by women it's just never had that exact same attention Mm -hmm. as the big industries like agriculture agriculture yeah exactly or any kind of big industries like production chemical production like heavy production yeah Yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. and it's 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 again it's almost this like silent death kind of scenario almost you know like silent health issues that can happen with yeah things like nail salons or uh 
I mean, I never thought house. about that. I, that I, obviously, the idea that you you are being exposed so much more, and that your um, your metabolism and the way that you react to these chemicals might be different compared to a man, but that hasn't been researched, and it is part of your your daily work. I mean, there's things like yeah. construction industry, like noise and vibration and Mm -hmm. that kind of um pollution or or the effects Mm -hmm. of that on your body is Mm -hmm. something that's been studied a lot that's why you have ear defenders and you're only meant to use the pneumatic drills for a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. and things Mm -hmm. like that but i imagine that hasn't been considered for women but then they've still had a significant amount of research relating to men and they have put these legislation or these rules in place but i don't think that there's a uh, any legislation saying okay you can only work three hours at a time in the nail salon and with yeah. all the acetone and everything. Uh, and then you have to have a half an hour break or you have to do something different. Like that's, that's true. Yeah. And, and it is such a, mm. um, a dangerous chemical. Mm. Totally. Yeah. So. One of the things that is different already, you know, kind of proven by research is that one thing women tend to have thinner skin mm-hmm. than men. And because they have usually a higher body, um, higher fat percentage in mm-hmm. their bodies means the chemicals actually tend to accumulate even longer. Mm-hmm. So already these two biological differences basically expose women to these chemicals even more. Mm-hmm. And then kind of, you know, having this silent exposure to them in these places that it hasn't been measured, mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, those things put together, it sounds even scarier. Yeah. So. Is there anything that you wish or either wish to add or wish, I don't know, how the future should look like or how what would be like the next step or what would be the next solution or the road towards solution within this? I mean, you already kind of mentioned. I, as I said before, I think it's also, it's just all about designing for gender equality as maybe a, yeah, a requirement. So like having that as yeah. one of the, the standards to consider as a designer. Yeah. I think one of the major things is still um, we need more female designers. Uh, so there was I was reading one article about from a, a female designer on on uh, Medium, and she'd done research of twenty seven different design firms I think in the US, and um, out of seven hundred forty three people, um, only twenty four percent were women, and all the rest were men. And uh, if you look at the majority of the iconic designers right now. Johnny, I have all these kind of people. They're all men, and I, and I think that's that's crazy because then you're not actually you're losing one a different perspective, and you're also not yeah you're not then kind of being pushed to think about that because you're you're always thinking from this male perspective. So I would say just go get more women, um, yeah, designing all these things. So the the one of the women who was a spokesperson for um, Volvo, mm-hmm. she's like the the head of I think head of design or like at least fairly high up and uh, I thought it was really great that she was then the advocate for that for the campaign and yeah was uh yeah championing designing for for women in to improve safety for Volvo so yeah that's that pretty cool amazing. so one of the things that um I was actually gonna mention this up but I, I I didn't was um there are three two or three main uh industries where I think women are really trying to like kick ass with uh, designing for women and one of them is relating to health tracking Mm -hmm. so there's um, a a really cool design and i yeah Mm -hmm. where um they have these kind of little pendant jewelry that that kind of attaches um to clothing bags whatever and that's basically meant to to track yeah your movement health heart rate 
things like this. And mm-hmm. it's been specifically designed by women for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, well, the other main sector is the sex industry. Yes. So um, there were two companies, one which was completely redesigning like porn for women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it came from more a female perspective. Erica Lust. I think so, yeah. 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 And she was basically saying the fact that all of the porn industry has been designed by, by men, men for men. Exactly. So the idea is that then it's perpetuating... Um, all of these stereotypes of yes. what sex should be like and that means that all the guys are then growing up expecting that this is what they should their sexual encounters should live up to this yeah this. but women not. do that too they grow yeah. up with that thinking yeah. oh that's how we should behave yeah. because that's the norm yeah that's the standard quotes, that has been, been yeah. set for me yeah so I thought that was really refreshing and the other thing is sex toys mm-hmm. so if you look at the majority of sex toys they, they look very like a penis. Like, the majority are all, mm-hmm. like, very phallic-shaped. And there's a... I need to find the name of them, but there's a, a new startup that, again, is the main designers are women, and they're designing uh, sex toys that look, like, very I've different. I've heard about it, and, yes. And um, it's more relating to what actually stimulates women and mm-hmm. the, the different shapes, the textures, the whatever. And uh, I thought that was also really fascinating that it's more thinking, okay, how come, like, the scientific side of pleasure and, and that kind of thing. I think all of it comes down to data. And that's something that I was, like... So three things is, like, designing for gender equality, making sure that we're putting that as part of our design process, getting more women in the design process, so within industry... And then the last thing is just getting more data yeah. for both genders yeah. to make sure that like, you are taking that, that is then part of your requirement when you're designing. Mm-hmm. Because we can then see that right now, okay, more, 47% more women can, are likely to get injured in car crashes because they haven't been designed for. Then how do we approach that? Yeah. So if we don't have that information, we don't have that data, we can't then need qualitative and quantitative data. Yeah, but yeah totally. it's important to have both these things. Totally. Yeah. That's, totally. that's it, really. That's a wrap. Thanks so much, Kate. I mean, I think that's already a great segue when we've mentioned the health uh, tracking and sex toys. It's definitely something I would like to talk about the podcast <laughs> as well at some point. Thanks for that. And again, thanks so much for sharing all the facts and your opinions. Very valuable feedback. Also hearing it from someone who comes from the design industry and to hear your perspective. I think it's really helped me. It's given me a bit of a, a kick to actually be like, think more critically yeah, about how exactly. I'm designing also in terms of like psychologically and within UX design and the the sector I'm in now so not just physical products but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah digital and oh, everything I'm glad I'm glad yeah. it helped cool yeah. thanks so much <laughs>